Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. This is season two, episode 31, practicing healthy detachment and outgrowing relationships. I am beyond excited, and you will be too, to introduce today's guest. If you listen to our first podcast, Two Enlightened Bitches, which you can still listen to on Spotify, and Michelle, it's a mystery <laughs> because I removed all those audio files, and I look back and I definitely remove them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, then you will know this extraordinary author, producer, mother, wife, and highly metaphysical being, Michelle Colston. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. I love listening to what you were saying about how you took the files off Spotify and yet the universe is like, nope. Nope. We still got use for this. This needs to be out there. I couldn't believe it because I have a friend who listens to this podcast too. And I told her, you know, I gave her the name Two Inches Off the Ground. I guess she just typed in my name and she found Two Enlightened Bitches on Spotify. And I was like, I don't even know how you can find that on. So it's off Apple. It's off everything. So like you said, it's just the universe wants it out. Yep. I love it. We're helping people. So it's all good. So now uh, here's the big question. The listeners have to know, what have you been up to since Two Enlightened Bitches? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You know, I always say this. It's so funny when people say like, oh my, so what have you been up to? And I'm like, so much. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's what it feels like the last two years. That's what it feels like. A, it's just a big time warp, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about that whenever we reconnected. It's just kind of like, you know, one day feels like a year, feels like five seconds all at the same time. And I I feel like we're really kind of in this new paradigm that we're in. It's so interesting navigating it. And I feel like that's really what I've been doing. I've been in my garden failing miserably um, a lot. I'm still trying, damn it. I love um, that. Yeah, you know, I I was really excited the other night because I was able to get a squash. Oh my gosh, what type? Say a butternut? So it was a yellow crookneck. That's exciting. That's It was very exciting. And I was able to add it to the meal and it felt very high high vibe. And uh, now I'm just waiting for another squash. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the meantime, it's just been a lot of family time and growing, 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 going within, going within, going within. Yeah. And that's and here we are. That's uh, legit. That's it. That's my last two years. And you need a lot of going within because you have two teenagers now, right? Yes. And a law school student. So that's just crazy. You're a mother of a law school student. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> I know. I feel like I should be hosting more dinner parties <laughs> or you know, doing something. I should be drinking scotch or I don't something really mature, but yeah. I, I don't, I do not feel nearly mature enough to have a law school student, but here we are. That's cool. I think you've been doing a lot of the same things we've been doing is just yeah. looking within and going within. And I think you'll agree with me here, Michelle, time has been moving so fast. Dude, I know it's crazy. I can't even keep track of dates anymore. I don't bother. <laughs> really, I mean, unless I have an appointment, yeah. I don't I have no I mean like I wake up every day and I'm like is today wait, is it Monday? No. I thought today was Thursday when I woke up today. Like let's just I'm like no wait, it's Monday. Wait, is it Monday? I don't know. I'm glad I, that I don't have like really super important things to do. 
that people aren't depending on me <laughs> to know what day it is. But it's tough because I have to type out the notes the night before and I put on the day and the date of the next day just so I know. That's smart. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I, I, I'm just all over the place. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny with my husband, Craig. He, when he goes to doctor appointments, he's gone to them. And he, I said, oh, your appointment's today. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just going to show up because I, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, my heart goes out to him. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't know. He, he's done that a few times. I know it's worked out. I guess he has a lovable face because they take him. They're like, okay, sounds good. Well, Okay, yeah, I guess let's do this. I don't even know why I'm here, but yeah. maybe like take some blood or I don't know, take my blood pressure. I don't know, take a limb, you know, whatever. Yeah, take whatever. Apart. <laughs> so today we are talking about a really interesting subject, which is practicing healthy detachment and outgrowing relationships because we've been experiencing these two aspects as we expand metaphysically. And I know that if... Well, I know and I've learned now from having so many metaphysical friends that if we are going through it, they are going through it. Totally. Yeah. So it's always a timely subject. So, mm-hmm. all right. When we detach from those close to us, it's tough, especially if they're very close friends or family. And the bigger issue is these are people we either want to keep in our lives or we have to keep in our lives, but we've outgrown them. Now, Michelle, when we did Two Enlightened Bitches, we did an episode on energy vampires and how if you don't need them in your life, get rid of them. Totally. Yep. But now we're not talking about that. We're talking about people that have to be in our lives. Mm-hmm. We can't just be like, okay, see you later. So I just yep. want to clarify that. And I know when I say we've outgrown them, it sounds so fucking egotistical. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. My, my <laughs> ego loves it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm really, I've, I've outgrown this and I'm, I'm bigger now. I'm bigger. I'm more evolved. That's what I like to say. I'm more evolved. But taking the ego out is really challenging. Yet I truly, and I have a feeling, you know, you feel the same way. I truly don't feel, you know, all the joking aside that I'm better than the two people I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? Okay. That where I've mm-hmm. had these relations. I truly do not feel that way with the people with whom I have this issue. So let's say we're on different vibrations and we don't align anymore. Can we be mm-hmm. in a relationship with this person and let them be who they are without trying to help them or fix them? One of the things that I have had the biggest issue with is <laughs> is remembering that A, we're not all on the same path and we're not all supposed to be on my path. One thing that has become really clear to me lately is that I, you know, I metabolize things differently. Some things come to me really super easy and I do not understand how someone else in my life does not get this. I'm like, this is really easy. But one of the things that I have to be really careful about is making everything about me. Even in situations when I am quote unquote holding space for them and and being there for them. Whenever I find myself getting frustrated or feeling like I'm getting pulled down or they're just, they're so toxic or they're just not in the same like frequency as me, that's my sign that I'm making it about me. 
because they're either not catching on as quickly as I want them to, or they're not taking my advice and I become bitter because I'm trying to help you and you're not receiving this. It's been a really fantastic growth opportunity for me staying in close relationship with someone who my ego was telling me I've outgrown, like I'm, I'm bigger. And even though like I know on a heart level, I'm not better. But as far as my ego is concerned, I am absolutely better. I'm smarter. I'm, I have my shit more together. I'm obviously tapped into something that they are not evolved enough to be tapped into. Even though on, on a heart level, I know that that's not true. My ego likes to whisper those things and be like, well, I mean, you know, you just, they're just not where you are. And I'm like, oh, I know it's so frustrating. It's been humbling for me to kind of put myself in check and how can I grow from what they're bringing to the table? If they're so low vibe, how can I grow from this being in a space of like holding space for them and not trying to get them on my path or get them where I'm going. They have their path and that's just as valuable. It's not like I am more valuable because I'm so evolved and I'm doing the spiritual work and they're not. I need that humbling to remind myself because I guess it's just part of my personality or my type or my soul contract that I'm a four on the Enneagram. So I need to feel unique. I need to feel special. I need to feel like I stand out. I need to. So it's a constant practice to remember that just because I I like being unique doesn't mean that I'm more important. I'm fascinated how you said it's humbling. Yes. That was that was really, I never thought of it that way. It, it is humbling. And the two people in my life that this has been an issue with the one person I want to maintain the relationship with and is a friend and will occasionally come to me for advice. And I don't like giving advice because no one takes it. Do you know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like, and I'm not saying no one takes it like I have bad advice or anything or, or whatever. It's oh, just it. literally there was a study done 20 years ago by, I think it was Harvard or psychology today or something. And they had polled people on, do you take advice? And like 99% of people were like, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. right. you're just, usually when you ask for advice, you're affirming what you already believe, right? You're just asking right. for that affirmation. So yep. this person will occasionally ask me for advice and something that I found, and I think humbling is a good word for both me and this individual and to make sure that I'm on my path and this person is on their path is I always say now, if anyone asks me for advice, I say, feel free to defend yourself or argue with me before I give okay. any. And I think that really helps because it keeps both of us in check and on our path. Right. And it totally disables any defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a part of that with the verbiage that really does help in, you know what I mean? Like you may be mm -hmm. on one vibration, I may be on one vibration, but mm -hmm. yet we can still come together in that way and respect each other. And it is a form of humbling. Absolutely. I love that you said, you know, feel free to, to defend yourself or argue because you're identifying right away that you have your space and I have my space. And this is how we get to coexist. This is how we get to have adult healthy relationships is that 
I bring to the table what I have and you bring what you have. And I can say, oh, that's cool. Like I can, I can look at your bits and pieces over there and see that they don't match up with mine, but it's cool that you have them. I know that a great part of my life and a great part of why I've had a lot of relationships fail is because I look at someone else's bits and pieces and I'm like, they don't fit with mine. They don't look anything like mine. And when I'm not strong in myself, I feel threatened by someone else's stuff not fitting with mine. And I feel like that's really, we're we're so immersed in that today. We're seeing that everywhere. People can't have conversations. People can't disagree and coexist because everything is so frail and everything is so unsafe that it makes sense. Someone who doesn't feel safe, they cannot be in the same space as someone who disagrees with them because everything feels like a threat. I like that you started out saying, feel free to disagree, feel free to argue. You're safe. We're both safe disagreeing with each other. I don't know if other people are willing to admit themselves or admit this to themselves or not, but something that I've really had to come to terms with with myself, I love arguing. I love it. It's not hmm. it's not a matter it's not a matter of like I love the fight, I love the violence of it. But it's fun to debate. For me personally, it's stimulating talking about being humbled. I mean, I don't do it a lot because my ego doesn't like being wrong or challenged, but can you come out the other side of it, friends? Can you come out the other side of it and hug and be like, okay, cool, you know, see you tomorrow. I don't know. Well, it's it's extremely relevant because someone in my life had come to me with that exact situation. It's true. It's, you know, you have personalities that I think like to debate. I don't, I've never seen that in you. So that's really interesting. But, you know, you have that personality and in, in you, it's just, it's more interaction. It's more yeah. livelihood. It's more, it's not livelihood, but it's lively. It's interaction. Mm-hmm. It's intellectual. I can see that. Yeah. Versus someone else who may be like put off by like, whoa, I feel like we're arguing and, you know, this is too much right. and this is you're going into my safe space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I, I feel the, the part of it that's fun is obviously getting to express how you feel in contrast with a differing opinion. The problem is obviously in that realm, when it starts to become judgment, like, you're a terrible person because you feel this way. That's where it starts to get really problematic. There's a lot of things that my husband and I differ on. And obviously, we come out friends. It's a great practice to be able to, to get into those differing conversations or those, not debates, but yeah, bring what you have to the table. And I'm going to bring what I have to the table. And I think it's a fantastic practice to be able to listen to that. A friend of mine, she was, we were talking about God. And she was saying that an example or a metaphor that had been brought up to her, it's like, you know, sitting, like if you're all sitting around a table and there's a box, like a cereal box, your view from where you're sitting is this picture of this kid with a bowl of cereal and orange juice and toast. And like, like where is this complete breakfast coming from? I know. Well, I've, like, I've never had that. I'm American. You're American. It. And we've never, for any yeah, of the listeners, I, and I have a lot of foreign listeners, that shit is not even true. I had, yeah. to, I had to pop my own bagel and I'm from the Northeast. So we're big into bagels. So I had to pop my own bagel into a toaster at four or five years old. And my mom's like, you know where the butter is. 
That's, yep. what, that's what worked Absolutely. in my house. <laughs> yep. I was making eggs when I was six, like scrambled eggs and toast. That was me. <laughs> yeah. six. Of course, as like, you know, latchkey generation. But yeah. from where I'm sitting, the box, I'm seeing ingredients and calories. And to be able to talk about the box from where you're seeing, and they're like, oh, cool. Like, tell me, what are you seeing on the box? Well, over here, I'm seeing numbers and words and her side isn't wrong because that's what she sees. And my side's not wrong because that's what I see to be able, but it's all the same box, you know? So I, I really love, I, I love that metaphor. And so I try to take that into any situation like, well, I mean, they're just seeing it. They're seeing the box from a different side than I am. And truth is subjective and truth is personal. And we all came here to experience infinitely different ways of seeing the truth. And we, we all came here to experience and live out different versions of the truth. It all comes from the same source. And that's hard to remember. That's so hard to remember. One of my spiritual teachers, Del Sol, he tells me that everyone has their life choices and we don't have to like mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And that's it. And that's what it comes down to. And there's a lot of things going on right now, especially in the US, mm. that I know a lot of people don't like. And it's it's mm -hmm. hard. It's so hard to remove judgment from some of these events that have occurred. It's really mm -hmm. hard. It's really hard to move to remove judgment from some of the political events, especially. So yeah. And, and also how the events that are not even political become politicized. Yep. So yeah. So it's it's a tough one. It's really, really tough to to get in that non-judgmental space because you're on a good path. You're having a good day, right? Michelle, we're having, we said we're having a good day. We're having <laughs> yeah. a good energy, right? But yep. if something occurred and for us not to have judgment towards something, it's with one of these big events, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, how can you, I'll use a non-American example. How can you not have an opinion about Ukraine? Right. You know, how can, like, I think yeah. everyone probably does. And it's hard to not be like, uh -huh, on this side or uh -huh, mm -hmm. on this side. Right. And it's very different because you say we're all coming from the same source, which Ukraine's a perfect example, the war in Ukraine, because Russia's coming from the same source and the West is coming from the same source. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's hard. So that's a perfect mm -hmm. example. I'm gonna remember that cereal box. I like that. <laughs> it, it was brilliant, right? I was and I'll be honest with you, like in that moment, my ego was like, damn it, that should have been mine. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh, I got to write that down. But even, I mean, exactly what you're saying, just bringing in judgment and suspending judgment, that all ties back to being in a healthy relationship with someone that you're not sharing the same frequency with. When we really step back and suspend judgment, who says that you have outgrown this person? Who was telling you this? And that's what I have to ask myself in certain situations. My ego is telling me that I have outgrown them. Why? What is What evidence? Well, because they're not taking my advice and they make decisions that I find ridiculous. It's getting uncomfortable for me. So all of a sudden I find these super, in these really subtle and subconscious ways of deciding that this, that this relationship is just not working out for me because something's coming up that's making me uncomfortable. So it's just all of these subtle nuances. And especially Jennifer, I mean, you know this, the deeper you go with spiritual work and the more you practice the subtler it gets. 
It's mm-hmm. not everything is it doesn't come at you screaming. It mm-hmm. is barely a whisper. You can just barely touch it and you just have to get quieter and quieter and more still and more still. And that's why these relationships that push our buttons and these relationships that reflect back to us something that we don't particularly like, they have opportunities to be our greatest gurus. I agree. I agree. And even when you choose your partner, right? Because we've chosen ours in life, my partner, and I'm sure Billy probably still challenges you in certain ways. Absolutely. Yes, you have your core values together. Yes, you raise your children in a certain way together. You have to agree about that. But then there's other things mm-hmm. where he challenges you and you know and looking I think I'm I talked about this in a podcast that dropped before you. Yes. I talk about how my husband's on this incredible spiritual level. He doesn't even realize it and he's such a teacher to me. Yeah. So there's things where I may still get frustrated about it, and he's like shit. And I'm like, but I give a shit. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that can get, you know, hard too. So can we hold space for these people while they're navigating their path? And are they truly holding space for us as we navigate ours? Oh, good question. That's a really good question. And what immediately comes up when I hear that, am I holding space? for myself on this path because Mm. I feel like we really have been indoctrinated and raised. Everything is so transactional. You know, we show up to relationships like, okay, I'm going to do this for you and you're going to do this for me. And that, and as long as we continue doing these things for each other and having these transactions, this relationship is going to work out. You can't hold space for someone else if you're not holding space for yourself because that's your first priority. If you go to a relationship or if you're going to someone saying like, okay, here I am and I'm here's the space that I'm holding for you. Where's the space that you're holding for me? Pack a lunch. You're, you're going to be disappointed. You're setting them <laughs> up to fail. Just the same way that you're setting yourself up to fail for them. I had a, um, a friend of mine who were not exactly so close anymore but you know how it is when you when a relationship kind of cycles out and you're like, okay, I think that I think that we got what we were supposed to get from each other. And then it just kind of like naturally and you're like, wow, I haven't talked to them in like a year. That's weird. But it was totally unconscious, you know? It's kind of one of those situations where there's still a lot of love, but it just it just tapped out. But anyway, one of the last times that I did see her, we hung out for about three hours. Not once did she say, like, how are you? What's going on with you? It was her the whole time. Afterward, I was thinking, because obviously, like, my ego really wanted to, like, dive in there and be like, she didn't ask me about me. She didn't blah, blah, blah. But there was this just kind of deeper knowing, like, what was I expecting? Like, when I came to this visit, what needs were I, what was I, like, imposing upon her? What buckets was I expecting her to fill? What was my intention for the visit? And it was really, um, it was eye-opening how I approach everyone that I hang out with, everyone that I talk to, this conversation right now. What's my intention? Why am I here? What am I outsourcing? 
constantly. It's a constant question. What am, what are the idols in my life? What are the the false idols, the false gods? Where am I outsourcing my power? And a lot of times it's really subtle. I do it in relationships, you know? I do that with my sister sometimes. I'm like, I need you to be my mother. Well, that's not fair. She's going to fail. So, mm. you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I had a friend I met with recently who's going through a really hard time who, I mean, we sat there for two hours and this person just talked about themselves. Mm-hmm. But I accepted that because this person's going through a really hard time. And I don't think they're right. in the headspace to even ask about me. Right. To be like, hey, how are you? How's your business? How's, you know, how's podcasting? Whatever. So I let that one go because I've, I know this person. They've been there for me. I know their head's all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So I was okay with that. And my intention going in was just to listen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You and- were going in to be the space. You knew your role in that arena was I am going to come into this and I am going to be the space. You were intentional. And I feel like something that we don't think about because so much is going on autopilot and our relationships and so many things are going on autopilot that we, we forget to set an intention. You know, you do it when you get on the yoga mat. Why wouldn't you do it when you're going to sit down and have a conversation with someone? That's a really good point. I am starting to learn about holding space for myself. Yeah. Because I judge myself the harshest and the most, which is no surprise mm-hmm. to anyone here. Like we're all, totally. we've all been on this metaphysical path and we understand that. But sometimes I have to take a step back and realize, oh my God, damn, I am really judging myself. And the yeah. the example's not coming to me, but I had something happen last week where I was, I was just like, wow, like I did I would totally never say this about anyone else. And I know that's very elementary to say, but you get caught up in the fact of I'm holding space for this person and I'm setting the intention and I'm doing all of the things and then Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it for myself. Right. And that's where we forget. So along that same path, asking, are they truly holding space as we navigate ours? So I'll give you the example of my dad. So my dad lost his wife, my mother, in December 2021. So it's been six months. And I was pushing him probably after two, three weeks of her not being around anymore. You know, we need to start cleaning out the house. We need to start doing this. We need to start doing that. Yeah. This person had just lost his wife of 55 years. His basically his limb, you know, like losing her body, right? Yeah. They have lived in this house for 40 something years. So it's, you know, it's a big deal to clean it out and they've amassed a lot of things. Yeah. And so once I realized what I was doing and I changed my energy toward the situation, I really backed off. And even my dad said to me, wow, we're getting along so much better. And he didn't say energy shift, but I forget how he said it. But he said, wow, I feel like you've really changed or something. And I did because I realized I need to stop. But then there's this balance of where we need to get the house cleaned out. It can't keep waiting because it's Mm -hmm. up to my brother and I now to do it. And I'm not waiting, you know, 20 years to do it. Like it's not happening, especially if my dad might move and you know, whatever. I think in that situation, I am holding space for my dad in Mm -hmm. certain ways. And I think he is holding space for me because there's a lot more patience on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a tough thing to get through. You, I mean, anyone else I could look at 
the situation and say, you know, give the guy a break. He just lost his wife of 55 years. Me, I'm I'm going in there hard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta clean this shit up. Yeah. 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 And but now that we're both holding space for each other, and obviously I think I'm doing it more consciously and he's doing it more subconsciously. But now that we're meeting on that level, it's so much better and it makes the process so much easier. And he did something the other day that did not make me happy. And I called him, but I did not talk to him about it. I chose that. I set that intention. I said, are we going to start a huge argument? Are we going to, what's the point? Right. He already did it. So instead we talked about other things. Then we kind of got to the subject and I said, dad, listen, when it gets to the personal things between you and mom, we will go through them together and we will make decisions and we will not just throw those precious things out. And he said, thank you so much. That makes me feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a form of holding space too. Yeah. Yeah. What, but you know, something that you just said that I want to touch on because you said that you are consciously holding space. He's doing it, but probably more subconscious. That's how I intuitively feel about all of the relationships in my life. Jake, my middle son, who is... (laughs) Jake is fun. He is so fun, and he's the drama bomb. Um, (laughs) He is not the law student, just so you know. Typically, when... Shit is upside down with him. He's my most direct mirror, I can say. So when he's doing stuff that is, you know, by outside standards, messing up, I can go, okay, wait a minute, what's going on with me? Where am I making decisions that are lacking integrity? Where am I shirking responsibilities? And I'm not, obviously, I'm not talking about weed eating or gassing up or whatever, but responsibilities, obviously, that's, however that shows up for you, where, where am I doing the things that I am pissed at him for doing? 99.99999% of the time, when I make that shift personally, it starts to manifest in him and it starts mm-hmm. to become reflected back in me. And so that's another reason why relationships are so important because they're tools to get your power back. That's why it's such a travesty when you have someone in your life who is so addicted to blaming because you're like, oh, I wish that you could see that you are hemorrhaging your power. You are literally handing it out to every person in your life that you're blaming. If you were to be able to see that they're a reflection of you, it's not about blame, but it is about responsibility. Like if you were able to say like, actually, you know what? I do that. The, the thing that, that I am so, that I resent about this person, I, I do that. And you start to shift that in yourself. It is inevitable. You will see it reflected back at you and them. So when you talk about your dad subconsciously holding space, he's reflecting you. Yes. Yes. That's the perfect way to put it. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> things fly out of his mouth and I'm just like, Okay, I'm going to hold space for this. He's <laughs> almost 88 years old. I'm just going to let that one go yeah. because you're not going to change anyone. So it's t- it's funny though because he's my father, right? So I have to keep mm-hmm. him in my life. And I would. I love him, right. you know, the whole thing. But what happens if it was a friend? Yeah. You know, totally different situation. 
where yeah. I don't know if I would. I, I don't know if I would. Well, with your father, I mean, you are intentionally suspending judgment mm-hmm. because it's your father, right? Mm-hmm. I want to keep this person in my life. I have to keep this person in my life. Therefore, practicing that suspending judgment, it doesn't make it you know, easy, but it, it's easier to make the choice to do it at least. What do I have to learn from keeping this person in my life? Because sometimes, yeah. sometimes it is not a good fit. Like I can look back on certain relationships and there are some that I'm like, mm, you know what? I was pretty premature. I'm cutting that one out. Like that one, I was just really uncomfortable and I hightailed it. And then there are others. There are a few that I look back and I'm like, no, that was a good breakup. That was a healthy breakup. And I don't feel any need to go back and bring that person back into my life. It really just takes being honest with yourself and checking in like intuitively. Yes. Right? Because you know that, Jennifer. You you do this work and you know, and everyone listening, y'all know, y'all know how it feels when intuitively you can just feel like, God, everything about this person. I just don't know if this is a good fit, but they're there to teach you how to break up. There's also been people in my life, one in particular, that I wish I hadn't broken up with. I wish I had learned more from this individual. This was years ago, like 20 years ago. But I wish I had done that. And that's over with now. But And that's fine. But I look back and I'm like, wow, I was really... <laughs> immature back then. <laughs> and that's oh, how it is. You know what I mean? That was yep. years and years ago. So no reason to beat myself up. All yeah. right. So let's discuss, this is the, this is the big intriguing one. Let's mm-hmm. discuss how we, meaning you and I, Michelle, had to go our separate ways for a while to shift and grow. And now we are vibrationally aligned. I know. The I universe sent me, what? I said, no, I love it. Yes, I know. I love it. the universe sent me four signs in one week to get in touch with you. So one of the signs was I had to fix the header. No, I'm sorry, the footer on my website. And I never go in and fix that, but I had to do something with it. And your daughter did the artwork. So it says Mm -hmm. artwork by Piper Colston. And then I had to do something with your book, with the undiscovered goddess. And I had to take pictures of the testimonial and the book cover and everything. I'm like, okay, I've got to get in touch with Michelle because it's just it's coming <laughs> up way too much in, in one week. So four signs. As individuals, we've each had major trauma in our past. We had to separately unearth and confront our traumas to evolve. Then we were brought back together. During this time of separation, do you feel we were holding space for each other? And how do you think we vibrationally aligned again? Because I can answer first if you want me to. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think we were, but it was subconscious again. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think it was definitely subconscious This came to me this morning, Michelle, as I was reviewing the notes was we've both had major trauma in our past. And when we were doing Two Enlightened Bitches, I think we did a good job of unearthing a lot of layers of things, but I don't think we were digging in deep and not saying we were supposed to. Okay. By the way, not saying that was the point, but the actual digging in deep to our individual traumas, we had to do individually and separately. Sure. in order to grow. So I, I feel like that was one aspect of where, you know, 
we were uh, unpeeling the layers and then we had to split apart. And then when we split apart, I got really sick. And I realized in that sickness that because of the trauma I endured, that I was grabbing onto safety anywhere I could. You know what I mean? Yep. Anywhere I could, yep. grabbing onto safety. Uh, we talked a lot about <laughs> to enlightened bitches, my sugar addiction. We talked a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm probably eating 80% less sugar. In fact, I have cherry vanilla ice cream sitting in my freezer right now that maybe I've had a Dixie cup worth. Yeah. Because I don't attach it. I don't attach love and safety to sugar. Or I, yeah. I, I listen, it's a 40 year habit. It's going to take me probably two years is my guess to really, you know, unwind and, and take this yeah. out of my life. And maybe I won't take it out of my life, but the point yeah. is, yeah, the point is, is I'm not attaching it anymore. And when I do, I'm aware of what I'm doing. And do I have those days yeah. where I attach it? Of course I do. Because I'm, yeah. again, 40-year habit. What the hell are you going to do, you know? Yeah. You only do so much. So anyway, I digress. But I think I did that too through our podcast, you know? And I'm going to give mm. some examples, if you don't mind, where, yeah. you know, at the end of our podcast, and now I would have been totally fine with it, but you had wanted to take off holidays. I didn't want to take off holidays. Looking back, I was just grabbing onto safety, yeah. That was safe for me. I know that sounds crazy, but that was safe. You know, no, podcasting every week was yeah. safe for me. And yeah. now I look back and I'd be like, fuck, let's take off a month. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've let a lot of shit go. I really have. Yeah. Now I have four podcasts, so I've learned a lot. Okay. So, you know, it's like I, I mm-hmm. didn't know back then what I know now. And the thing is, I should have come to us with a number and I should have said, Michelle, let's check in after 20 episodes or whatever we say and see how we're feeling. Or maybe just let's just do 20 episodes and that's all we do. Or, you know, something like that. But again, that's that's just not knowing. But the good news is that because I've let a lot of stuff go, (laughs) we're (laughs) aligned again. Now, I'm sorry. Let me clarify that. Not I let a lot of stuff go between us. I'm just saying like I... Right. I've eased up on life in general. Well, I would say, I would have to say that like being sick and going through what you went through, if you don't come out the other side of that with a different set of priorities, I don't know what to tell you. So how do you think? Do you think we were holding space subconsciously for each other? Do you think, how do you think that went? I was just curious. How do you think we aligned again too? You are really good at following the cues because you did the same thing with our first podcast. Like I just, I want to do this and like the universe just keeps nudging me. So I just, I, I knew like I have to reach out to you. So you're really good at that. The year for us, there was radio silence. I feel like absolutely we were holding space for each other, mainly because we're doing this path together. So like everyone in our lives, when you think of you know, your soul family, we're part of each other's soul family. So even when we're not consciously doing something, we have no idea the work we're doing together on a soul level. I'll tell you just kind of a funny story. One of the things that kind of freaked me out about us taking space, part of my personality loves drama. I hate admitting that. When you and I kind of took our separate ways, I didn't know how to to quantify that because there was no drama. <laughs> There was, there, no, was like, no there was no drama. There was no drama, y'all. There was like there was no fight. 
No, there was nothing but like well wishes and hearts. And I did not know how to quantify it. I'm going to like be really vulnerable here and really transparent. I remember, I don't know if you ever do this, Jennifer, like whenever you are just kind of watching the voice in your head and like, you're not identifying with it, but you're just listening to it. Like, listen to what you're saying. Are you like, wow, this is kind of insane when you listen to the voice in your head, but you don't identify with it. Kind of like listening to like sitting next to someone on the subway and like listening to them talk shit. And you're like, wow, like you have a lot of interesting things to say, (laughs) but you know, it's not you, right? There was this part of me that was trying to manufacture reasons to be mad at you. Because when you like someone and you enjoy someone, you don't break up. And so- so there was this part of me that that was really like, I don't know what to do with this. This is weird. It was actually, in reflection now, a great entry point to a lot of other work because I didn't realize that I had that addiction to drama or in, in that because it was really subtle. So subtle. I think my thing was, I like to keep in touch with people I like. So I I yes. didn't know when to get back in touch with you. And then I finally was just like, you know what, let it go. Not in a bad way, but just let that go. Maybe she's going through some stuff, maybe. And then I started to get sick. So I had to let everything go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I had no choice at that point. I just kind of let that go. And then when I got all four signs in one week, I said, okay, now I have to get (laughs) in touch with her. Now it's time. When we got in touch, we were like on the phone, like, ah, 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 you know, so. Yeah. And like no time had passed. We had a whole right. lot of stuff to talk about, but yeah. it wasn't like, so how you been? Yeah. Okay. This There's is no awkward. animosity, you know. No, no, no. That was what was no. really, really beautiful and ebbs and flows, dude. We all have those relationships with people that you're like, I haven't talked to this person in six years. And we just picked up like nothing mm-hmm. had ever happened. Everything's still healthy. Everything's okay. It's really cool to have that validated and confirmed that, yeah, sometimes like you're going to ride the wave with someone and then you're going to take separate waves and then you'll come back. Trying to control that only makes things impossible. I know. And I think I have a little bit of addiction to drama too. And I think we all do because as humans, because I was a little bit like, what is this? What do I do? Where do I go? What do we, you know, there was a lot of that. So now we're all good. Like, yeah, now we're pretty much monks. Like we're, (laughs) we probably, I'm like, just point me to my cave, point me to my mountaintop and I can. Yeah. I have a cow who can escort you. I have a little calf who you can take up to the mountaintop if you'd like. His name's Jedi. He's really cute. Oh, well, and he has the perfect name. Oh. Yes, he does have the perfect name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Michelle, this has been such a expanding conversation of growth. And I just really appreciate you talking about this today. This was a topic we both wanted to do. I absolutely mm-hmm. am so happy to be connected with you again. And, I, and I'm going to push you a little bit on... Sources make me do it, so I'm not going to blame myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about Miss Michelle Colston, and you are an agented author, which means you have an agent, which is a very big deal because really hard to get an agent, you guys. Now I think the statistics are one in 6,000 people get an agent now. Oh, my God. Really? hmm It's really gotten that bad. Yeah. Wow. And Michelle is an extremely talented novelist. And she has her first book, The Undiscovered Goddess, which is a beautiful 
beach read and it's a lot of fun. And if you really like self-help and if you really like looking at some of the subtle nuances of a person's growth, it's interesting. And our conversation today really ties in to Holly, the main character, because she is someone that I think in the beginning you have to hold a lot of space for. And does Holly hold space for herself and how does she navigate her growth and her change? And it's, it's fascinating when you read the book to see this character change. And I was just, <laughs> I was just in Barnes and Noble studying light women's fiction. And there's <laughs> a lot of shit out there. And the things that make the best sellers list now, I'm sorry, that's not nice to say. And it's egotistical, but aren't good. It's a lot of reality yeah. stars that are starting yeah. to write. You know what I'm saying? So scary. Michelle is an actress, very scary. So Michelle is an actual <laughs> exceptional writer. So I am going to put the link to the undiscovered goddess in the notes. If you don't mind, is that okay? Yes. Thank you very much for saying that. If I could hug you, I would. (laughs) Thank you. Great beach read, you guys. Great beach read. So definitely buy that, get it for the beach. And then Michelle, I know that you are starting to study or you've been studying Mm-hmm. Uh, the intersection of astrology and religion. And will you come mm-hmm. back and speak with us about that? Oh, I would love that. There's so much because it's mm. so deep, you know, reading the Bible intuitively. It's an interesting thing to say. Yeah. But I mean, really kind of, again, setting the intention and getting into prayer and reading the Bible with my journal it's so vast. And there are things that are like, okay, I can see this universal truth here. Okay. I can feel intuitively that there's this truth that was written through a man who already had a filter. It's been really fascinating, but also really kind of scouring the Bible for astrology and how there can be a bridge between them and how they, it doesn't have to be this mutually exclusive tool of, you know, you, you're either over here or you're either over here, I really feel compelled to bring those things together and, and not necessarily religion, like this legalistic kind of, you know, I aspect or dogma. I don't, I'm not really interested in that, but just the, uh, the deeper, vaster truths that are in the stars and in God's word. It's just a matter of bridging them together that I'm feeling really compelled to do. So thank you for bringing that up. And whenever I feel that I can actually speak on it with some authority, I would totally come back. Absolutely. And maybe that's the end of this year because I love to do the kind of more religion things, the end of the year towards the holidays. And I keep seeing the bridging of metaphysics and religion that theme is over and over and it's always been there, but now it's really prominent. So it'd be interesting to hear from you. And then you are also in the midst of writing your second book, your second novel, which uh, I know is going to (laughs) be metaphysical and exceptional. And I'm really excited for that book. I can't give any more details, but I know it's going to be this high vibrational read that, you know, when you're done with it, you're going to come back on and we're going to plug it and it'll be great. And we'll talk about it. So all great things going on for Michelle Colston. Thank you so much for being here today. You've been an amazing guest, which I'm not surprised because you you were my (laughs) my (laughs) podcaster. No shock there. Until next time. Live your life two inches off the ground. Michelle, thank you so much.
Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, everybody. I would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. I know there are many podcasts out there, but you decided to listen to this one. If you expanded your spiritual and metaphysical knowledge in any way after listening to this episode, then I need your help. Please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. This gives my podcast more visibility to potential new listeners, and it motivates me to continue creating content for you every week. Leaving a review takes less than one minute and is highly appreciated.